Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Firm Returns Weekly. Um, it has been quite an eventful week, and so I'm expecting this episode to be quite a lengthy one. So let's get straight into it. I will share my screen. Right, so quite a bit of news from uh, across the portfolio um, to discuss, but the really large um, thing, the really large item, and it, I want to discuss that actually has its entirely own article uh, is an update on Tiny Build. So I'll let's just dive straight into that, and then we can go back and look over the rest of the news for the portfolio from there. So let's begin. Things have taken an unfortunate turn for the worse at Tiny Build. As outlined in their latest trading update, revenues were significantly lower in Q4 than expected due to a number of factors. First among these was the delay in signing certain large contracts, which as of 6th of December remained under negotiation. Several releases have also been delayed, including the highly anticipated Broken Roads, previously expected to make a considerable contribution to Q4 revenue. This was further compounded by weaker-than-usual sales across the portfolio that has driven management's full-year revenue expectation down to $40 to $50 million. I think it was something like, I think... Last year was $65 million, something so quite a quite a big drop. Um, and with the upper end being dependent on the aforementioned large contracts being signed. So you can kind of see how large those contracts are. We're talking sort of five plus million in total for for um for the largest ones combined, I think. Entwined within this was the legal dispute with Steve Escalante the founder of Versus Evil, who has unfortunately been running the studio into the ground as general manager since the acquisition. It seems that he has been able to extract a further $3 million from Tiny Build for his exemplary service in this time. This set payment settles one of the two claims against the company, the second related to the contingent consideration cancelled as a result of the studio's underperformance is being settled with a payment of $500,000. It's disappointing that a payment is being made at all, but from the conversation I've had with management, it seems they were forced into a quick settlement due to the dramatic decline in revenue and inability to take any strategic action with versus evil while the legal claims were unresolved and Steve Escalante was at the helm. He will be departing presently. In short, the company couldn't afford a lengthy legal dispute, however likely they were to win, and it had consequences beyond the legal fees, not least three delayed games at Versus Evil. Another consequence of the revenue shortfall has been the acceleration of the company's cost reduction plan, which has unfortunately resulted in significant redundancies and two and the closure of two studios. At a company level, there's going to be an initial impact from one-off severance charges and further asset impairments, but the actions taken thus far are expected to result in a 5 to $10 million per annum reduction 
in cash outflow. I think it was something like it was going to be broadly in, I think it was like $35 million uh, was spent on software development expenses last year, and it was going to be fairly similar this year. So presumably that's that's where a lot of the savings are going to come from with these different projects that have been cancelled and studios that have been closed. Uh, I imagine there's also going to be, I don't know whether all of the, that there'll be additional stuff that will come off um, just the general um, operational expenses rather than stuff that has been capitalized into uh, development projects. So as head office stuff, whatever. Um, So it might not all come off that, that $35 million figure, but I, I certainly expect that to come in quite a bit lower next year. Um, than had been oh, well, quite a bit lower next year than this year, maybe, let's say that. The company's cash balance at the end of November was $5.7 million and is expected to decline further by the end of the year, leaving the balance well below the $10 to $20 million previously guided. And that was back in September that it was guided to be that level. So a lot has... Uh, gone wrong in the last couple of months if the previously mentioned large contracts are not signed the company is going to run out of cash by the end of january a 10 million dollar equity raise has therefore been proposed subject to shareholder approval alex nishiporshik tiny builds ceo and founder has expressed his willingness to underwrite this equity raise but were this to result in him increasing his ownership percentage, it would also be subject to a shareholder vote. And I believe, having had the same vote held at the AGM um, and didn't pass, it would require 70% of shareholders to, to vote. And obviously he's going to lend 37.8%, I believe. Um, but the rest has to has to come from the remaining minority shareholders, Butler. So myself and a number of other shareholders wrote a letter to management, which was sent the, the day following the announcement, the 6th of December. Two of our number then had a meeting with management on the 7th. In the letter, we raised our concerns about excessive dilution of existing shareholders unwilling or unable to participate in the equity raise and presented some potential alternatives and safeguards. The first alternative was asset sales. Apparently, the M&A market is surprisingly active right now, despite sales having deteriorated across the industry. Unfortunately, given the company's current position of weakness, they are receiving very low offers, making asset sales an unattractive option at this time. So in the call with management, they did actually say they've been receiving offers pretty well on a daily basis, but an incredibly low ball um, offers. For, for I don't know whether that's for, I'm presuming, it, some individual assets in there, IP and so on, or maybe uh, larger chunks of the business. But yeah, obviously the voltages are circling and and trying to extract um, as cheap a price as they can. 
We also discussed the use of other securities like preferred equity or convertible debt, but they weren't too keen on these options because of the perceived higher costs and conflicting incentives for Alex as both shareholder and creditor. When it comes to a common equity raise, there are two main ways they can do it. They can use the market price at closing the previous day and apply a discount, or they can set a fixed price independent of the market price to cap the dilution. We have obviously pushed for the second option as it limits the extent of the dilution to a hopefully reasonable level. If instead the first option were chosen, you'd likely be looking at greater than 50% di- a greater than 50% reduction in the value of your shares as the price has fallen dramatically since the announcement. So I think the current the price when I was looking at this was like three pence a share or something like that. Um and at that price it, it would you'd be more than halving everybody's the value of everyone's shareholding. So I think you'd it'd be like a you'd end up with about forty or forty two percent um that your shareholding only being worth something like forty or forty two percent of what it was before. So what would be a reasonable price? If the price was set at 15 cents, which equates to 12 pence at the current exchange rate, 66.6 recurring million new shares would need to be issued to raise the required $10 million, which would result in the shares losing just under 25% of their current value based on 203 million shares outstanding pre-issuance. So what I'm saying is that seven, your shares would then be worth 75% of what they were before. Um, so yeah, it's not a, it's not a great outcome, uh, but that kind of level would be, bearable um it means you know as long as you had more than a 25 percent sort of margin in there on your on what you thought the underlying value of the business was or what it could be in a few years that you've still got the prospect of of capturing most of the upside um should the company go on to perform well over the next couple of years. In a scenario where Alex was the only participant at this price, so 15 cents or you know 0.15 US dollars equating to 12 pence or 0.12 pounds um, and permitted to go beyond his current ownership percentage, so effectively both votes passed, he would end up owning 53% of the shares outstanding, making him the controlling shareholder. Now, it seems unless they get some external shareholder come shareholder to come in, but it doesn't seem like many are interested at this price given how low the company's market cap is. It's not really um, even a viable option for certain funds and things like that to come in. Um, but were it you know, so it seems unlikely that an ex, um, external investor is going to come in, but and at 
12 pence a share or whatever, um, which is higher than the current share price. And given all we've said about, you know, um, trust bats being broken and 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 other things along those lines, it seems pretty unlikely that most existing shareholders are going to want to participate um, in such an offering. So you'd expect that Alex is going to end up having to pay most of the $10 million, um, which would make him the controlling shareholder because he would then have 53% of the new total um, number of shares outstanding. Crucially, whatever prize is chosen, it needs to be palatable enough to pass the vote. If the dilution is going to be high, shareholders may prefer to take their chances with bankruptcy, given that the company's equity value is far higher than the current market capitalization. So, I mean, I think the last update, equity was something like $80 million. And, um, you know, even if you cut that in half, or even more than half, it's still going. If you're talking about sort of greater than fifty percent dilution or something of your shares, um, then yeah, it starts whatever. You, depending on the price you you bought the shares at, you're starting to look get like getting a, a better result from the company going into administration and, and the assets being sold off. So this is why. Um, if they want a shareholder vote to pass, it, you know, it they got they really need to make it a palatable deal um, to shareholders. I'm confident Alex won't let the company fail, but less so that he's going to avoid destroying minority shareholders' capital through excessive dilution. In all honesty. I've already invested a very significant portion of my portfolio into the company, having been assured that this kind of equity raise was not going to be necessary. It's very hard for me to consider providing more capital on this basis. And to be honest, I would have to sell some other holdings in order to do that. So further concentrating myself in this company and selling other companies, which I would would like to hold still. So it's... um. Yeah, I'm I'm already overexposed and and given, you know, and I'm on the I'm kind of on the on the borderline here in terms of um in terms of trust, but I can imagine a lot of people looking from the outside here, they've been told, Oh, there's going to be ten to twenty million dollars at the end of the year. There's going to be um there's a credit facility in place that could potentially be used as in a large resort um, where there's pretty much no chance in any of their worst case downside scenarios that they're going to need to do anything like an equity raise. It's not even like in the picture. Um, they don't expect any, any payment for the legal claims. Um, yeah, and they expect to be effectively able to maintain their balance, cash balance next year. We'll we'll see. That's still in the future, but all those other things are things that were statements that have now proven to be false. So it's it's quite a big ask for to ask people to put up 
more money at this stage, um, given that everything else that's been said in the on the assurance that things are going to be fine in the future, given everything else that's been said and has not proven to come true. So, yeah, and like I say, I'm already in a concentrated position in on a cost basis into this company. Uh, obviously, that holding is now worth uh, <laughs> a tiny fraction of my overall my initial investment, but um, in terms of market prices, but it still is something that I would like to hold long term. It, it, it's really going to depend on on what ha- what they do here with with this equity raise. If it's minimally dilutive, if they do it in, or if they consider some other options, the ones we presented, like a, a convertible preference share that has a a reasonable um, coupon attached to it, a reasonable dividend attached to it, that then converts has a conversion option in a few years time um, when when the company is likely to be in much better shape and the price is high enough from get based on the current share price that uh, the dilution would be less that uh, would, would able to be less than um, if it was just to be a full common equity issuance now um, or if if the price is set at a level in a fixed way that means the dilution is is capped, I was saying the twelve pence a share is is still not pleasant to lose twenty five percent of the value of your shares, but it's a it's a bearable amount, um, and ideally, ideally it would be even less than that. But may, maybe maybe people some. You know, in aggregate, there's the people voted not to allow Alex to play shares before. So maybe him being in a position where he, if he was to participate fully, would uh, would be able to get a majority. Wouldn't be enough. Uh, wouldn't wouldn't be acceptable. Um, so maybe people still want him to be have less than fifty percent. So maybe it would end up being set at an even higher price in order to um, to make sure that even if he participated fully, he wouldn't own fifty percent. Who knows? Um, but yeah, I think any price higher than twelve pence a share would be reasonable, um, and the higher the better. And um, either way, I I don't see even at a dirt cheap price. I don't see any existing more well, many existing shareholders participating beyond Alex. So um, he'd effectively be just destroy, destroying all of the capital, all of their capital, and handing the handing it over instead to, um, if it wasn't entirely him participating, then it would be handing it over to new external shareholders and basically giving the middle finger to um, the existing shareholder base. So yeah, if we don't have any of these dilutive things happen if you know if they do take action to to limit the dil- extent of the dilution or they look at other options or maybe they're able to sell some assets now with the restructuring versus evil maybe there could be a quick sale there maybe there's ip that could be sold and and what have you um so i know they 
the fact that there is now potentially an equity raise as a fallback might mean that it strengthens their position in any negotiations for asset sales. Then they'd be able to sell something that would either remove the need to raise equity or would uh, reduce the amount that was needed to be raised. It could be 5 million instead of 10, for instance, whatever. Whatever scenario you want to put out there, but if there's a way they can reduce the the, the value destruction, um, then yes, that would be good to see. Obviously, is something I'm looking for, um, and will determine what the vote I I give as well. Of course, being a shareholder, but the other aspect here is that yeah, if if management does show me that they care about the minority shareholders at this stage then i don't see any reason why i wouldn't want to hold the company in the long term um i do still think it has bright prospects we have a some phenomenal titles in the pipeline um the cost base the while unfortunate and has led to a, there's been a bit of a cash crunch perhaps because some of these cost cuttings happened a bit later than um, they perhaps hoped for better revenues and so a lot of the cost cutting happened later than the original timetable for it they said as much in the trading update that it was accelerated but obviously things have happened too fast and left them in a, a bit of a liquidity squeeze here so if instead um, but yeah now that those cost taking cutting measures have been made it, the company is in a better position going forward um and it means that we're gonna have, there's greater operational leverage there um now that the cost base has been reduced to get a better you know for for those cash flows coming from those higher potential things to flow flow down to the bottom line so um yes i in short it's a, I'm looking to to what management does at this stage and what the board does for what they're worth. Because um, as a reminder to the board, you are serving all shareholders in the company and 61.3% uh, of those, or yeah, it might have been 62.2% of those, sorry, um, are not the CEO. So you need to be considering them here as well. That is your duty. That is what you're in place for. So in in the unlikely circumstances that they are listening to this, please do do your duty here and think and do what's in the best interest of all shareholders, uh, even those unable to participate or unable or willing, unwilling to participate in this equity raise. Um, and yeah, I'll, we'll have to see. In the, it's going to be resolved fairly quickly because we know the deadline, basically when cash is going to run out, is going to be January. Depend if they don't get these large contracts in. Uh, but it sounds like there's going to be a bit of a squeeze, anyway. So, yes. Um, Hopefully, in the next couple of months, we'll see management will be able to give us a chance to really see them doing what's best for minority shareholders and 
will they'll have restored quite a bit of faith that they their interests are aligned with us and that we are um they are doing what's in the best interests of of shareholders as well as um other stakeholders in the company so anyway uh yeah i'm hoping i'm hoping we can have a reasonably positive outcome to these events um but yeah let's draw a line under that and move on to what is some more positive news with Ecora resources so another legal ruling but one that actually worked out pretty favorably for uh, the company in question which is the four mile uh royalty legal ruling which they had held uh, they were fighting against quasar resources um and the original favorable ruling so this was actually an appeal so this is why i said the formal legal ruling has been upheld so the original favorable ruling on the four mile dispute has been upheld by the court of appeal in australia and the 9.3 million australian dollar accrued can now be released to the income statement in q4 2023 there is no impact on the group's cash balances as this money has already been received however it does mean there's no longer a risk of it being returned to quasar so yeah good news there and um i guess it's not really going to help with their cash flows but at least it means that money that they've set aside can now be released and they can they can use it for other things without having to worry about uh the prospect of of returning it to quasar if the dispute had gone the legal uh ruling had been turned that's the correct phrase um so moving on so that was just a brief bit of news for uh Ikora resources there moving on to warner Bros. discovery we have the news that Max is being included alongside Netflix in a $10 per month bundle being offered by Verizon. This will feature the ad-supported tiers of both apps, but still represents a considerable discount to standalone subscriptions. So the ad-supported ones are normally the cheaper option. Um, but actually, from what I understand, Netflix has actually realized that their ad-supported here has actually been one of the most profitable um because presumably they then make more per user on the ads than they were in the subscription the difference in the subscription payments um so the, the ad supported tier of max usually costs nine dollars 99 so basically the same price as this bundle Though, as I mentioned a couple of weeks back, it was offered at a 70% discount for Black Friday. Upcoming releases. So in the next week, we will see the theatrical releases of both Wonka and Aquaman The Lost Kingdom. Currently, the former is trending higher in terms of popularity. This was on IMDb. 
but we'll have to see how things play out following release. Something else that's just been released in collaboration with Amazon, and it's actually uh, featured on Amazon Prime Video, is Merry Little Batman, an animated film with a Christmas theme targeted at family audiences. And as you can see, I think from this uh, screenshot, if you're looking at it, um, or this thumbnail for the video, and uh, you'll see, I I go have a look. If you go have a look at the trailer or anything for it, that it's quite a unique, um, well, I would not necessarily unique, but it's quite an unusual and different art style for a DC animated. So it's very different to anything else, as I've seen there. Much more like. Uh, uh nightmare before christmas or all that those kind of the tim burton ones and things like that so yeah it's quite a that's quite interesting um uh i'm actually probably going to give that a watch um tonight so i'm looking forward to that so yeah that was uh there's also we've got quite a slate of other um new trailers i think there was a an event in brazil which um Warner Brothers was attending and they released new trailers for that event for um, the House of the Dragon season two coming out next year. I think that's next summer, maybe. Um, uh, True Detective Night Country, which is looking really quite good with Jodie Foster. And I think that got a, has had a, a lot of uh, views. The video I've seen on YouTube for that, the trailer. Um, and that'll be, I think that's coming out in January. Um, had originally been intended to come out before the end of this year, but obviously the the actors and writer strikes push that back, so they want to have a bit of time with using Jodie Foster to to promote it. Um, and then there was also a new trailer, a trailer for the Penguin TV series, which is looking uh, particularly good as well. A spin-off from the Matt Reeves Batman uh, film. And that's coming out this year and it sort of continues the story um, leading on, like it's like a week or something like that after the end of the, the first Batman film and should set things up because we have the Joker later in the year. We've already had a trailer for that. Um, and then the, but the Joker is separate. I don't think it's the same universe or whatever um, so, uh, as the Matt Reeves Batman but and then but this the Penguin obviously is a spin-off as I said and it sets things up for um, 2025 the second Batman film from Matt Reeves so that's going to be a nice contin- nicely nice linear continuation there um, and we've also had the Godzilla X uh, Kong trailer, something like the New World Order or something like that, um, which is looking looking pretty like a pretty big blockbuster for for next year as well on the slate. Uh, and we've had um, Mad Max, uh, Mad Max sort of spin-off Furiosa, which is sort of like a prequel to the. Mad Max Fury Road, focusing on Furiosa, who in that was played by Charlie's Theron um, in the original in the Mad Max Fury Road, and a a younger version 
of the character has been played by Hannah something or other Joy. The uh, sorry for uh, mis not misremembering your name there. Um, but yeah, she's she's famously played the main the lead character in the Queen's Gambit, um, the Netflix series about the about the chess female chess player and um also was in the the northman and has been in you know several other high profile roles um since that time and uh yeah that's looking really good it's also got chris hemsworth in it i think in quite an interesting role um so yeah that that's actually on that same when i referenced the let me have a see if i can have a look here when I reference the trending list here on IMDb, this is actually the third, even though it's um, not currently, you know, in cinemas or anything. It's actually the third most popular movie on IMDb at the moment. So lots of people uh, having a look at that one. Um, well, and while we're here, I can show you that the. Uh, Currently, Wonka's down in 18th place, and Aquaman is down in 37th place. So, yeah, it's not not a lot of hype at the moment. Let's just say that, whereas Furiosa is looking particularly good. Anyway, let's go back. Um, So, yeah, right. I think that's pretty much everything for Warner Brothers Discovery. I'm sure I've forgotten some things that come out next year, but uh, yeah, it's all things are starting to move in move in motion. Um, I think there's also oh, the one other thing was the they got another a crisis on Infinite Earths animated film or something like that um, that's coming out soon as well, which I think is uh, probably I think that then fits within the new like uh dc universe or whatever sets things up for that uh james gunn's new dc or whatever so anyway anyway that's it for one of discovery let's move on to the final company we're going to discuss which is taylor maritime investments so tmi has completed the sales of two vessels one of which was announced in their prior trading update for gross proceeds of 16.8 million dollars both were older and smaller vessels than the fleet average, so the sales will be lower. Uh, sorry, so the sales will lower the average age and raise the average capacity of the fleet. The proceeds of these sales will be used to repay $11.4 million of debt, bringing the outstanding debt balance for TMI down to $156.2 million. And on a you know on a look-through basis with grind rod included it's higher than this but this is technically what uh tmi owns owes uh some other positive news is that after a small dip after the last uh trading update we received at the end of september um the baltic handy size index index has now climbed up to a one-year high of 872 as of 8th of December 
So the chart shown below only shows up to the 7th of December, where it was 862, but it's climbed another 10 since then. Um, given that the Baldic Handesize Index time charter average was $10,214 per day at the end of September, I think this is adjusted for their uh, average vessel size as well. Um, hand, average handless size vessels uh, capacity. It's likely that the spot rates have now passed above the blended break-even point of uh, $11,850. Now, this includes, and I've confirmed this, this includes uh, debt payment, uh, interest payments and fixed payments, whatever, on the debt and dividends. So, uh, yeah, th that's the level at which they cover all those things and anything above that is then excess cash flow they can use to accelerate debt re debt pay down, whatever other capital allocation stuff they want to do, special dividends, whatever, um, or new vessels, whatever. So, yeah, we're back in positive cash flow territory um, over and above the dividend, which neither remind you is a very healthy yield um so i think the share price is like uh it's under it's under a pound uh, sorry it's under a dollar a share now it's something like 90 cents on that and the dividend is eight cents or something so yeah you you're getting you're getting close you're getting close to the 10 percent mark at the moment um Let's just count it with actually quickly. So let's say it's 63. Okay. Actually, it could be even, could we could be at the 10% mark. So 63 pence converted to dollars is around, around about $80. Uh, just slightly under. So yeah, we, if we've got eight cents a share of dividend, we could be at the 10% dividend yield mark. Not because the dividend has increased massively, though it is one cent, one cent a share higher than it was at the IPO. Um, but we're actually uh, now, but but the the share price has come down to such an extent that it's now a right going instead of having a seven percent yield at the IPO when it was one dollar a share, we're now at a over a ten percent yield. So, yeah, quite an, quite an attractive price potentially. Um, but because uh, it doesn't seem like things have recovered here. But anyway, um, yeah, so things are looking pretty positive there, and, and it's nice to see that they're not underwater. Hopefully they can lock in some longer-term contracts now at these prices um, and help to, or if the price keep on going higher, does seem to be fairly vertical, this curve at the moment, and the one it's going to roll off. Um but yeah, it looks like they could be in a pretty strong position to lock in some longer term charters of six months a year or something like that, and uh, yeah, and ride out any any softness and which is kind of inevitable in these kind of industries to ride out any kind of softness we see in the future. So we already know that they got uh, they've locked in a couple of twelve thousand dollar contracts even when the price was down at. 
spot price was down at 10,214. So, uh, yeah, they're in a right now, they must be you must be able to potentially lock in some charters at even even higher levels. So, yeah, all positive, um, I think for TMI. And, uh, yeah, I think that that pretty much is going to do it for for this episode. Um, yeah, you can check out all of the if if you stumbling upon this video and you haven't already had a look at my newsletter there'll be a link in the description it's all free everything like that go over to the website firmreturns.com have a look as uh you know you can look through these articles that i was describing both of these here um yeah and uh i do also post on twitter from time to time so feel free to follow me everyone there and there'll be a link for that in the video description as well but until next time i will say goodbye and thank you for watching <laughs>